from Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Rated LGBT Radio, and I am your host, Rob Watson. We've got kind of a mixed bag hodgepodge show today. Uh, we're going to talk about current issues that are going on. And we're also going to talk about a young man who um, goes to school in Texas and uh, was expelled from his school because what was his big crime? He wore nail polish. Um, and we're hoping we may get some folks calling in around that story to tell us more about that. But in the meantime, I want to welcome to the show my esteemed journalist expert, Brody Levesque. Brody, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob, and good afternoon to our listeners, or good day or good morning. And we thank you very much, as always, for listening to us. And it is Friday. <laughs> it is. Normally. I know. It's, it's a... <laughs> kind of, I wish it was more than just that, but no, we'll stick with Friday only, yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite the uh, uh, <laughs> quite the week. Um, can you uh, before we go into LGBT issues? Because one of the things that's mm-hmm. happening right now, and most of our listeners will know the results of this before you know when they hear this, probably. So we're probably going to be talking about old, old news. But uh, tell us what's happening with the election in the Supreme Court today. Uh, currently, before the High Court, they have been listening to arguments all day. A few days ago, Texas Attorney General uh, Ken Paxton had filed uh, a lawsuit with the high court to block and overturn the election, specifically suing the battleground states, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Georgia, claiming that uh, they had violated uh, elections procedures and protocols. And, And I need to footnote that there's no national set standard per the Constitution or federal regulation in terms of how each state runs its own election process. So it's a little bit ludicrous for Paxton to sit there and claim that they violated protocols when each of those states was literally following its own protocols. Uh, There had been a challenge also earlier in the week uh, to Pennsylvania, which was tossed out uh, by the Supreme Court But uh, what was interesting about the fact that the court kicked it back uh, was the justice who kicked it back for the court majority, uh, Justice uh, Alito, which is he's a known conservative. So it's, you know, one of those things where uh, people are kind of looking at a disconnect between reality uh, and, you know, fiction when it comes down to these challenges. Now, what's made this kind of probably even more bizarre is that 106 members of the U.S. House of Representatives and 23 United States senators, Republicans all, joined in amicus briefs supporting the Texas Attorney General. The President of the United States, of course, is all excited about this. Most legal observers... It's that, that part that is the most disturbing and bizarre aspect of it. I mean, that Trump is attempting yet another, you know, wackadoodle run at this is not surprising. I mean, they've done, I mean, it's been this 
ridiculous circus, um, you know, across the board of between um, Giuliani's court annex and um, announcements in front of feed stores and, you know, I, I mean, it couldn't be more absurd. Um, but then uh, this, where, I mean, even at the face of it is almost bizarre that one state would sue to um, have other states' elections thrown out, um, you know, for for really no no good reason. I mean, it's you know, uh, Texas itself adjusted for um, the COVID nineteen crisis um, and mm-hmm. adjusted their election rules. So it's not even like they didn't do something, and the, these other states did. Um, and then to have all these people pile on when there is absolutely no justification other than to literally take away an election from the country. I mean, this is what we've gone to war for in other countries, presumably Mm -hmm. to fight for their right for, for free elections. And here you have this lawsuit that is essentially trying to rob Americans of that same thing. Well, it it goes to the heart of another issue, um, and and of course this lawsuit's not the only bit of Republican craziness. Uh, this week, also in the state of Arizona, uh, the the the, <laughs> the Arizona Republican Party, the official party for the state of Arizona, uh, basically called on people to you know either support the president and the Republican Party or die trying, literally. It, it, it went that far off the rails to the point where Meghan McCain, uh, Senator John McCain's daughter, and, and, of course, Senator McCain being a noted conservative in the state of Arizona, uh, went after him, just eviscerated them uh, on Twitter and then later on uh, on The View. Um, the level of... I, I don't want to use the word craziness because it just it, it's such a it's such a worn out phrase, but it, it literally that's where we're at. Well, you have 126 members of Congress trying to have the Supreme Court of the United States undo what was clearly an electoral win by the president-elect with states that have already certified their results. They're done. Um, it's just unfathomable. The craven, power-hungry mob mentality of the Republican Party is essentially on display for everyone. And, of course, what makes it worse is you've got the evangelical right just, you know, counting their puppets and Sundays and on their podcasts and in their YouTube channels and in their radio programs, you know, supporting this nonsense. And calling it God's will and Jesus this and Jesus that, so it's a double it's a, it's a double edged sword. You've got political craziness on one side, and you have religious fanaticism and extremism on the other that have married together, and this is the end result. Um, and it's just unbelievable. There was a New Jersey congressman who I've met. I'm going to call out by uh, name, and that's uh, Congressman Bill Casquell Jr. Bill is from uh, the great state of New Jersey. Um, and today, uh, Bill apparently had, had enough, <laughs> so he tweeted out uh, 
that he's calling on House leaders to refuse to seat any members trying to overturn the election and make Donald Trump a, quote, unelected dictator. The thing that should be pointed out about this and why this is important, next, I believe it's Monday or Tuesday, the Electoral College meets in state, all 50 state capitals to certify the Electoral College vote. Then the House gets it on January the 6th, on, on the 6th to attack to the first order of business for the new Congress. Is, and we've got people literally, even at that late stage, trying to upset the results. Jim Jordan, Republican congressman from Ohio, uh, and, uh, and a cobble of, of Freedom Caucus types are trying to get an open floor fight to disrupt the vote. I think Bill's just had enough and said, let's not see them. You know, Congress has its own rules. The House has its own rules. That's basically a plea to Speaker Pelosi. Just don't see these idiots. Um, it's like almost it's really a bad B picture Hollywood film. I'm not lying to you. I, all years I've been a political reporter, I've never seen anything like this. It just, the extremism, the persanicism, the, the fantasies, the, it's just, it's unbelievable. And these people are craving. They want to retain their power. That's it. Period. End discussion. You know, and, and their boy who's giving them, you know, their Christmas shopping list of the world, of the worst of the worst, you know, they want to keep him in the office. Um, and on his way out the door, he's busy, you know, destroying things too. I mean, there's been editorial cartoons for the last two weeks solid of uh, President-elect Biden walking into a mobile office that resembles something really probably akin to the aftermath of a really bad fraternity party on campus. I mean, you know, torn right. up this and that and everything else. And it's just kind of where it's at. And, and, and the sad thing, while all of this is going on, there is an overlay to this that people just aren't either fathoming or understanding, or maybe they just don't care. For example, today in Los Angeles, we had another record-breaking day of COVID cases, brand new ones. We just keep, you know, it's, it's full tilt now. Today's total, I just got these numbers about 10 minutes ago. 13,815 new daily cases. Across the United States yesterday, there were nearly 4,000 people who died. And this is like on a daily basis. This isn't a one-time total. We're losing, you know, about 3,000 people a day now. Just They're dying. We have these case numbers that are escalating. And in the meantime, you know, instead of being able to focus in on the responsibilities of government to take care of this, this this is what they're fighting about. I they couldn't even bother with passing the budget. They gave themselves a one week extension. They have done nothing in terms of aid for you know average Americans. People don't realize, but on Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas, all of those federal unemployment and Care Act and everything else expire. They're gone. You're mm-hmm. going to have literally tens of millions of Americans. At huge financial risk. But what are they fighting about? They're in the Supreme Court trying to overturn an election. And it goes right right back to, uh, you have to call them crazy. I don't know what, mental? That's a British term for it. I don't know what else you call this, Rob. I just don't. No, no, I know. It's it's bizarre and and weird and, you know. Strange. I mean, I, it, it, I, 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 I mean, I don't, 
I, I'm at a loss as well. It's, it's, uh, it's actually very discouraging. I, it, it's hard to, you know, it's one thing to meet with people who have a different government philosophy, have a different economic philosophy, have a different um, even moral philosophy, if you will. But to have somebody who is so destructive like this, it's, it's really mind-boggling. Um, so anyway, um, we wanted to touch on that. I do want to go on mm-hmm. to some of our um, LGBT issues. Um, sure. Tulsi Gabbard, um, speaking sure. of Congress, and speaking of, of things to focus on other than, um, you know, the pandemic and, you know, the economic crisis and all that, um, she decides to just go after trans people. Um, and trans kids in particular. Um, want to tell yeah. us about that? So on Thursday, uh, Democratic Hawaiian Congresswoman Gabbard and Oklahoma Republican Congressman Markland Mullen introduced a bill, House Resolution 8932, which would narrowly define the protections of Title IX to limit it to a person's biological birth sex. So what this bill does is it protects the sex-based intention of Title IX protections by reaffirming the biological sex-based distinctions between men and women. Bottom line, the bill is clearly written to prevent trans women from competing in athletics. Uh, Title IX, for those of our listeners that aren't familiar, is a federal statute that was passed, and it basically states that no person in the U.S. shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, will be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to the discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance, which would include sports. Um, the problem with this legislation is that it would make it so that trans women are just completely uh, taken off of any you know competitive athletic field. And this has been a thing where we've had instances of this, and I'm going to refer, I wrote for the Los Angeles Blade yesterday on this. Um, this last August, a U.S. District Judge in Idaho issued an injunction against the state of Idaho who had passed a law that was signed by uh, Governor Little last March that barred transgender females from participating uh, on girls' or women's school athletic teams and ruling that the law likely violated the U.S. Constitution, Equal Protection Clause. Now, it's uh, been taken up. It'll probably end up in the U.S. Tenth Circuit. But when the judge ruled against it, he specifically cited, okay, that, you know, the factors on this one, okay, with the evidence that was presented in his courtroom, uh, basically took a look at it and said, you know what, there's there's no basis in science and there's no basis in reality for this. And I'm paraphrasing the legal leagues of the judge's decisions. Now, why this is important is previous to this decision in May, the U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights under Secretary Betty DeVos issued guidance, okay, that stated that allowing transgender athletes to compete in Connecticut high school sports violated the civil rights of female athletes. Um, so what you're, what you're seeing with this piece of legislation is Gabbard and um, her cohort, her Republican cohort, uh, t- trying to codify a federal law 
to make sure that trans athletes, particularly trans females, this is principally aimed at trans females, although there are some trans males that it would also be affected, but there's actually a lesser degree of impact on them. This is mainly aimed at trans girls and, and, and you know, trans women. Uh, so it would codify in, in law, you know, a discriminatory practice based on uh, something that most people uh, in the scientific community uh, have said, you know, you can't do that because it's just that's not, there's no level playing field when it comes down to that in terms of reality. In other words, yeah, you're not going right. to get anywhere well, with that. Well, let me ask, let me ask you though, because what is mm-hmm. the science behind this? Because I mean, you said there is none, but you know, the, the the whole conventional wisdom—not that it's necessarily scientific-based—is that um, they have male sports because males with you know the right level of testosterone, et cetera, et cetera, are mm-hmm. more physically equipped, you know, at different athletic um, endeavors. And that they should not be on the same scale as estrogen-based women or girls. Um, that their their testosterone-filled bodies um, give them an advantage. And so the the question a lot of people have is, you know, you yes, you have somebody who identifies as transgender. They um, um, you know their soul and heart is is identifying as another gender, but without if they haven't gone through any kind of treatments or or you know corrective hormonal um, um, uh, protocols, that they are stepping over with this advantage-filled testosterone-driven body. So what uh, that you know, where is where is this? Yeah, that that argument is my question. Well, it falls short from the standpoint that precious few athletes in general, okay, that are trans, um, actually do in fact show uh, a biological edge, if you will, that way. Mm -hmm. And a vast majority from talking to uh, the trans experts and doctors that I've spoken to, uh, many of them um, have actually started hormonal regimes, uh, and, and there, there's just a balancing out there. You know, it's an unfair criticism to say, well, if this person was born male, then they're going to be more physically adept than a female. That's right. not necessarily true. Okay, there are females who are better adept than males. Um, I, I can point to my experience living in the Russian Federation um, that there were female participants on many of the Russian teams, um, especially in track and field events, uh, that outdid the guys. Um, and, and some of them, quite frankly, were extremely physically fit. So I, I think that's kind of a, you know, that that's right up there with you're, you're letting a definition, okay, for a tiny percentage of truth override a greater truth, which is no, it isn't really that way. You're saying that everybody's right. a broad brush. We're going to say this. Well, that's not exactly true, nor is it accurate. Um, and, and well, and it, it's frankly, definitely not true. If yeah, if the yeah. if the child is is on a hormone um, 
regimen because then that would definitely level that playing field. Um, well, that in theory. But there's even there's even transgender women who, you know, have just gotten started or haven't gotten into it yet. Um, and you know, I haven't seen any any studies or evidence that there really is, you know, a greater edge difference in terms of performance, uh, contrary to what you know a lot of the others people are arguing there is. Um, and, and for the smallest, tiniest percentage that may, that may be true of, note I just said the smallest, tiniest percentage. You know, right. the, the, the playing field is, is to be looked at as a greater uh, playing field. I, you know, we have, um, and, and I got into a situation of a discussion, ironically enough, with some activists in Texas <laughs> where we were talking about football. Uh, the state of Texas is football crazy. Friday Night Lights is no joke. It's they have as much passion for American football as my countrymen and I do for hockey. You know, hockey for us in Canada is an institution. Football, Texas, same thing. Now, they've had instances where girls, girls, not trans, not just girls, have joined football teams, okay, and have performed just as well, and in many cases, just probably even better than the male counterparts. All right. They had one girl quarterbacking a team in Central Texas, and she blew the doors off of the guys. You know, so it, to me, that argument of well, there's a testosterone versus estrogen advantage. Yeah, no. I think it all depends on the person. It depends upon the level of training they have, the drive they've got, the motivation they've got. And what proves it to me is I've seen this time and time again in other sports besides American football. I've seen it in baseball, softball, tennis. I've seen it in track and field. That's a whole wide category. You know, soccer. You know, this this argument that the right and the conservatives and the people that are opposed to trans youth or trans people in sports, you know, you're talking about the tiniest percentage where that may or may not be true. It's a level playing field if the person has the drive, the motivation to succeed and win. And that's really what it boils down to. If you're the athlete and you want to get the gold medal or the trophy or whatever you're going to do, it's incumbent on you to put forth the effort and the motivation to do it. And this idea that we should be able to, you know, uh, slap a gender label on and say, well, because you're a guy or you're a gal, there's an advantage here or an advantage there. I don't agree with that. I, I've seen it in swimming. Right. You ask any swimmer, okay, the girls do just as good as the guys do in the water. Okay? Yeah, no, and, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, I mean, and certainly there are, you know, it it isn't the same across the board. Um, the, I mean, the real question comes down to is why the two genders are separated in in sports facilities anyway. Um, you know, it's but and if there is is some difference, if there is a legitimate biological reason, how can that be measured without? Um, you know, without doing this generalization thing that is unfair to so many people. Um, this is probably something we should look into a future LGBT, rated LGBT show with and get somebody on. Mm-hmm. I know Bryn uh, Tannehill uh, has spoke to us before in the past, and she's well versed in the, the real yeah. deep dive uh, medical behind it. But uh, maybe she and a few other medical authorities come on um, on tell us about that. Um, in the meantime, uh, we do have – 
someone online. I'm not sure who it is yet. <laughs> um, but uh, um, tell us about the um, the case of uh, Trevor Wilkinson and uh, what happened to him in his school. Okay, Trevor is a uh, 16-year-old gay kid uh, from Abilene, Texas, um, in that area. And uh, he painted his fingernails. And, you know, it, I mean, he dresses conventionally the same as you or I. It's just he, you know, like your 18-year-old son, painted his fingernails. And the school lost the plot and basically said, you know, you're either going to uh, take your painted fingernails and depaint them or strip them or, you know, whatever it is that they have to do, uh, or you're going to get put on suspension. Um, and Trevor was like, well, I guess I'll have to take suspension because I'm not going to uh, remove my nail polish. Now, I should also footnote that the painting of, foot, uh, of, of one's fingernails these days uh, by males and females is so common uh, as to be, for me, uh, you know, a non-starter. The, everybody does it. Uh, but right. this school so system... Let me ask you... Let, late, yeah. yeah, let me ask last one question. So so if if um, Trevor was a cisgender female with painted nail polish in the school, that would not have been a problem? No, not even close to being a problem. Yeah, not even not even close to being... But because he was a boy, and I'm I'm pretty sure that part of it also, you know, had to do with his being openly gay, which probably in that part of Texas doesn't fit too well. Um, He's a senior at Clyde Senior High School, and he got so annoyed that he created a change.org petition uh, demanding the boys be allowed to wear nail polish. no, and and I have to give Trevor credit. Um, uh, you know, this is he's 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 on to something. He tweeted this, and then we'll probably have to go to the phone. But let me. Trevor tweeted this on, I believe it was on Monday, and and it ran across my desk, and I I was like, good good for you. So here's Trevor's tweet. Imagine your school not allowing boys to paint their nails and giving boys in school suspension for it, and the whole administration being okay with it. Homophobic and sexist. Welcome to West Texas. Now, I I should note, West Texas is also home to the Muy Macho Friday Night Light crowd. So there's a direct correlation in there too. But right. I'm telling you, if those football players painted their nails, yeah, I don't think they'd get suspended. Right. Well, let's welcome our guests, and uh, we will dive into this even more. Welcome to our show. Hi. Who are we speaking to today? Uh, my name is Ricardo Martinez, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer for Equality Texas. <laughs> Welcome to our show. So um, tell us, uh, Brody gave you kind of a, 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 a prelude to this story. What, what, uh, how have you guys gotten involved in this, and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, Um well, how have we gotten involved with it? We essentially try to follow what Trevor wants to do, right, and uh, support him in his ability to um, show up authentically in school, right? I think we know that there are many schools across Texas that are preventing LGBTQ students from using their chosen name or their pronouns in school, bringing a same-gender date to a school dance, um, starting a GSA, participating in a gay-straight alliance. Um, and so we're just trying to be supportive 
uh, as supportive as we can uh, to ensure that he is able to show up to school authentically. Yeah. So what, um, what was Trevor's intent in painting his nails? What, what kind of identification was he trying to make? And I assume he is the appropriate gender pronoun for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to speculate into what his intent was in uh, painting his nails, but I think it's just self-expression, right? I think if you think about um, like clothing or uh, accessories, I think your nails are an extension of who you are and who he is is just colorful, bright, vibrant. And he wanted to express that through the use of nails. Right. Because and, out out here on the West Coast, um, in uh, like in the, my sons go to school in the Santa Cruz area, and any any teenager showing up with painted nail polish um, across the board, cisgender, male, female, gay, lesbian, transgender, gender fluid, anybody, um, it would be commonplace. I mean, it's every, almost everybody across the board. Um, in every category does it um, what how was how was Trevor greeted with that when he showed up with his nails polished yeah um, according to Trevor on uh, November 30th when he arrived at school he had his nails painted and when his teacher saw his nails painted she immediately escorted him uh, to the assistant principal's office, and he was placed on in-school suspension. I think someone before I got on the uh, on the phone call uh, was able to say that he refused to remove the nail polish, and so he remained in in-school suspension. Um, and he stayed there until about Monday, December 7th, when he was allowed to return uh, to regular class pending the school board meeting that just took place yesterday. And just to verify, if, if he had been a cisgender female with nails polished, there wouldn't have been a reaction. Correct? Yeah, the Clyde CISD dressing, grooming code policy currently makes uh, earrings for boys prohibited at school um, and makeup and nail polish prohibited for male students. So it would be totally fine for a cisgender girl to attend school with makeup and nail polish. That's um, okay. That's uh, <laughs> That that seems so strange and foreign. Um, um, what uh, what is life like in that school system for um, LGBT students? I mean, are they all closeted? Is there is there um, um, other forms of discrimination uh, more overt um, that people are experiencing? Yeah, you know, I don't like to make generalizations about. Uh, students' experiences at school, but we do know that there's research, right? And there's an organization called GLSEN that does uh, national school climate surveys, and they speak directly to LGBTQ students. And so 70% of LGBTQ students here in Texas have reported experiencing at least one form of anti-LGBTQ discrimination in schools, which we obviously know can lead to worse academic and mental health outcomes for our youth. Uh, so I would assume that some of the things that I mentioned before are pretty prevalent in school, which is, you know, students not being um, not allowed to use their chosen name or pronouns in schools, bringing a same sex gender date uh, at a school showing um, like hand holding in schools, um, all of that. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Ricardo, good afternoon, sir. Um, How you doing? Let me, 
I'm good. Um, this is tangential to obviously Trevor's situation, but tell tell our listeners and tell Rob uh, what happened when you guys tried to get emails in uh, to the school district uh, in advance of yesterday's board meeting to support Trevor and Trevor's effort. And <laughs> go ahead and tell us what happened because I I read that in your Equality Texas Facebook post and I was looking at it like. This is almost a throwback 10 years now. I remember this nonsense. I was reporting on it when I was the Washington bureau chief at LGBTQ Nation, you know, 11 years ago. So to tell Rob and our listeners what happened when you guys tried to give your letters of, uh, of support and the parents' support. Yeah, let me just start by saying that Equality Texas, we work to secure full equality for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer Texans through political action education, community organizing, and collaboration, right? I want to underscore political action, education, and collaboration there because uh, that's the way that I anchor my advocacy here, right? And so one of the Mm -hmm. things that we wanted to do in support of LGBTQ students in that district is send a letter of support to the district, um, letting them know that we we want to be uh, a tool, you know, we want to be engaging collaboratively with them to help them get the education that they need to fully support LGBTQ youth in their district. Uh, yesterday, during the special meeting, because uh, you, if you wanted to provide testimony in support or uh, against uh, the school discipline, you, could, you couldn't do it unless you showed up in person. And given the fact that the positivity rates for COVID-19 in Abilene and Clyde range between 10 and 21%, we decided to write it and send it via email. When I tried to email uh, the testimony yesterday, I kept getting bounce backs, and it wasn't going through. And I just assumed um, that it was because of the sheer volume of folks who were trying to get in touch with the school. Um, and I tried from three different accounts, uh, my own Equality Texas account, a couple of Gmail accounts that I have, and all three times the emails bounced back. I had a friend of mine send the attachments with nothing in the body of the email and that went through so i just became curious as to why it had gone through without um the content within the body of the email and we just started thinking about like what if some of these words within the body of the email are being flagged and stopping the emails from actually making it through their server and so we removed uh lesbian gay bisexual and transgender from the email body and then it was received. Wow. I've, I've, I've never heard of that kind of screening on email. I didn't even know that was possible. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I will say that today both the assistant um, superintendent and the superintendent got back to me and they thanked me for uh, passing along my thoughts and my suggestions and that hopefully that will lead to a conversation of how we can support them and how, we can potentially train their staff and their administration on how to uh, best support LGBTQ youth. Right, right. Um, I, I, w- I wanted to segue back to uh, before you came on um, something we were talking about. It's a little off topic um, from uh, Trevor's story, but um, it was completely on talk- topic of um, Texas and the lawsuit that is currently being waged by your attorney general. Um, to the Supreme Court. Um, What are your thoughts of that, and what are people 
Texans, the people on the street talking about in terms of what your state is doing? Um, well, I can't tell you exactly what people are talking about in the street because we are being good uh, human beings and staying home and not gathering in front of in public places. But um, I can tell you that it is making the rounds. People are talking about it, but I don't necessarily have a public opinion, a public stance on where that stands, to be honest. In, 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 no, I was just going to say, um, you know, in, in, in fairness uh, to Ricardo, I, I was going to also point out um, uh, that uh, two of uh, our previous guests on the show, and one of uh, whom has been uh, just a great person and was going to solely miss her, Monica Roberts and Landon Ritchie, have worked very closely with Equality Texas. Uh, especially uh, in advancing uh, rights for the trans kids uh, and rights overall for LGBTQ people in the state of Texas. Um, Monica always spoke uh, quite glowingly of EQ Texas and the work they do on the ground, uh, Landon as well. Um, But it's something that I think should also be noted too, that granted even with the West Texas thing with Trevor, I mean, Ricardo, you guys really have a tremendous amount of, you know, battling that you have to do in the state. Uh, You live and work in Austin, which is basically a blue island, not unlike parts of Houston. But then you have the entire rest of the state, which, quite frankly, is blood red. And then, of course, you know, within the minority communities, too, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword for uh, Latinx, uh, LGBTQ, youth, young adults. Um, so, you know, when something like Trevor happens, uh, it's kind of significant from the standpoint that other school districts are going to be looking at that in the state of Texas, other administrators. Um, and I, and I think probably rightly so is to kind of gauge, you know, where Texas is with this. Um, I've heard, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in many different ways, Texas is still, a little bit behind the curve when it comes down to acknowledgement uh, of LGBTQ uh, expression, LGBTQ people, and LGBTQ equality, or am I misreading it? No, uh, I think you're right. Um, You know, we have a legislative session coming up in 2021, right? We're less than maybe a month away from uh, being at the Capitol. And what some people don't necessarily know is that there are no uh, comprehensive non-discrim- uh, non-discrimination protections of LGBTQ people in housing and public accommodations and health here in Texas. So um, you're not wrong in that statement. I think what often um, does not necessarily make headlines is that Texas, um, 70% of people do not believe that discrimination against LGBTQ people is right. Right. But we have a vocal minority um, that makes folks feel like that's not the case. And so um, there is a tremendous amount of opportunity for us to do a tremendous amount of good. And Trevor um, has noted this a couple of times and um, I think is somewhat profound when he says that it takes zero dollars to be a good person. Right? Um, and yes, it takes zero dollars to be a good person, but it also takes a lot of education uh, and meeting people where they're at and helping them kind of navigate um, their misunderstanding of LGBTQ issues here in Texas. 
So, well, um, Ricardo, what are the next steps in Trevor's case? Uh, there's a another school board meeting coming up on Monday. Uh, I think we're a couple of hours away from the district releasing the agenda for Monday. I think some folks are going to testify. Um, you know, I don't have details on whether or not the um, folks are going to be um, delivering testimony, written testimony, or are they going to have to do it in person if they're going to limit. Uh, I, I just don't know the details then, but um, I believe Trevor is going to testify on Monday uh, on his behalf and tell and share his story. And then he's working directly and what, with Lambda Legal and the ACLU of Texas, um, who are his legal uh, his legal counsel. Right. And what what is the makeup of the school board? Do you, how receptive do you think they're going to be to this? I'm not sure. Right? I don't know them personally. I know that there are five um, cisgender white males, um, but I, that's as much about them uh, as I know. No right. females on the board. No. All guys? Yes. Well, that's kind of a little, you know, Petri dish of uh, muy macho to go for that. Um, yeah, not good. I, I, Perhaps, what? right? But I think there's opportunity. I, I go back to, uh-huh. you know, I do this work day in and day out, and I send countless emails right. to school districts when something happens, and I rarely get uh, a reply back, right? So there has to be some credit. I give them a little bit of credit for actually getting back to me and having the intent to open up uh, uh, an avenue for communication um, and wanting to understand exactly where we're coming from and reading the email that I sent and the attachments, right? Because that, that in itself for us is a win. We have a willing listener. Okay. I'll continue. Did they, did they address the, (laughs) did they address the, the virtual, um, Roadblock you had found, though, that, that when you had gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender in the email, that they seemed to have those blocked. Did they give you any no, explanation? No, not directly to me, but I know that somebody has submitted um, uh, correspondence requesting uh, information regarding um, their uh, CISD email standards, including the list of words or phrases uh, that employees and students are prohibited from using in their district emails. So once I have that information, I can pass it along. But I don't have the. Uh, I don't have it. I can tell you that they haven't addressed it with me, um, but that somebody has requested that information. Uh, what I find odd about this is, Rob, if you will remember, uh, back in I believe it was 2012 or 2013. Um, the American Civil Liberties Union, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, uh, and even the Southern Poverty Law Center got involved. There was software that was being used to block student access uh, in school districts, not just in Texas, but in other places, where if the kids tried to search using the LGBTQ acronym or even the words gay, lesbian, bi, transgender, queer, any of that, the, the block would, would immediately lock the browser down. So you couldn't even do a search. And it, it sounds to me that <clears throat> what Ricardo and Equality Texas ran into was kind of the email version of that. Um, right. Ricardo, going back to, you know, advocacy and, and, and trying to get the word out, I, it seems to me that having a young person like Trevor, and he blasted this out everywhere. I mean, bless his heart. 
we get, we had the Twitter, the Instagram, the he's been speaking to the press. I mean, I love this kid. <laughs> TikTok. Don't forget TikTok. All the oh, kids are oh, on I TikTok. Forgot. Oh yeah, TikTok. Yeah, I mean, he was out there with this one. I was just like, you know. Plus, you know, the next time you talk to him, tell him that the fat old journalist in Los Angeles uh, admires his taste in fingernails because his polish looks pretty good. But I mean, and <laughs> at the end of it, it was fabulous. But at the end of the day, you know, it's this is the type of engagement I know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, young Landon. Uh, who has been a guest of Rob and mine a couple of times, uh, trans activist, um, you know, well-spoken young man. Landon uh, and that grouping of individuals, I think Landon's only about a year, maybe two older than Trevor. Um, it just seems to me that this is really where the hope needs to be is to get these ca- these kids engaged. But it's the direct audience, it seems, for them, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in many cases are the parents of their friends or the grandparents of their friends. And, you know, sometimes there's a particular culture. I've, I've seen it in fact that goes with that or, you know, just a way of life and thinking. And what more can people do uh, to help these kids out? I mean, you know, like Rob and I have a national platform with this radio show, uh, and we have the ability uh, uh with the shows that we do and, and with the people that we have on as guests and the conversations that Rob and I have uh, to be able to affect change. Uh, so I guess what I'm asking you, and you're the head of Equality Texas, so there's no better person to ask, but, I mean, what type of things do you need from the rest of us outside of the boundaries of the great state of Texas? I think the number one thing that people can do right now is invest in our work, right? I think uh, we are – maybe less than a month away from our legislative session kicking off here in Texas. So we need as much investment uh, donations as we could potentially have just so that we can continue this work. Um, and we go 100% into ledge, right? I think that's the number one thing that people can do if they go to equalitytexas.org and donate. Uh, number two, I think, um, you know, the, the easiest thing that people can do is if you're an ally be an active ally, right? When you hear homophobic remarks or transphobic remarks, stop them uh, in their tracks um, and try to have a conversation, an honest conversation. I know they're not easy, um, but with the person who is is speaking those words, right? I think it's important to show folks that um, we have allies and then increase your education on issues that are coming up. I think um, somebody spoke to it before I hopped onto the call where, in le- during the legislative se- session in 2021, we are going to have to fight to keep our transgender community safe by fighting anti-transgender bills uh, related to youth sports and medical care bans and the criminalization of affirming parents and doctors. Um, and that's going to happen in every state legislature, not just Texas. So I would, I would, you know, if you want, if you are incentivized, if you are inspired uh, to want to do more, increase your issue education and then figure out a way uh, that makes that is, you know, within your capacity to, to engage, right. Whether it's testifying during lead session, whether it's donating time or treasure um, do that because this is in service in something bigger than ourselves. And it's to ensure that students, LGBTQ students are protected and that LGBTQ people especially transgender people get to thrive and they get a fair shot at this American dream. Very good. 
Uh, Ricardo, what what are you had mentioned before? There were no protective initiatives that the legislature is considering at this point. Um, are there detrimental ones? Are there anti-LGBTQ initiatives that are in the works that you guys are trying to fight? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mentioned a few of them uh, a couple of seconds ago, but I think those are the big ones, right? Uh, the youth sport bans, the medical care bans, uh, the criminalization of affirming parents and doctors, um, those we expect um, to come up during session. Hopefully, you know, uh, we will be prioritizing taking care of the economy and making sure that people, um, you know, are, are covered and have access to health care. Um, but we expect, uh, as always, to be holding the line. And um, we'll try as, as much as we can, as best as we can. Right. Yeah. Are there... Do you know specific bills on those subjects, or or you're just um, you're just preparing for the eventuality that they're going to emerge? Yeah, we are preparing for the eventuality, and there are there have been some that have been filed already. I don't like to give them a platform or importance and elevate them to that, especially on a national platform. Um, but yes, there have been three or four that have already been. Um, introduced. Um, and there have been a couple of other ones who, um, that are slightly problematic that could be vehicles for amendments down the road, keeping an eye out. Is there any, uh, do you find any use of what uh, the ruling recently from the Supreme court on title nine, um, that sort of gave extra protection or extra strength to, um, uh, the existing laws, um, how is that going to play, do you think, locally for you guys, or will it at all? I think for um, for Trevor specifically, I think the Constitution and Title IX protect people from discrimination on the basis of gender, which includes these gender gender stereotypes, right? And that can be, right. that is having your nails painted. So I think it, it could... Um, it could certainly play in Trevor's favor, but I am not a legal counsel, nor am I a lawyer. So, Right. Brody? Well, I, I think that it's important. I, I also want to highlight um, one of the cases that Monica had brought uh, to you and I, Rob, uh, involved uh, that nasty custody fight in North Texas uh, mm-hmm. where um, the <laughs> Ricardo's going, yeah, I remember that one only too well. Where the uh, situation had evolved that the mother, uh, who's also an MD, had allowed the child to transition. Dad lost the plot. The attorney general of the state of Texas got involved. It got really ugly really quickly. Um, and, and, and part of things that need to be looked out for is, uh, and I'll use Ricardo's word, uh, education. I mean, there's a, there's a desperate need to get to have people see the LGBTQI community as human beings, not as some sort of aberration, you know, and as Karen Oakham, the former editor of the LA Blade says, we're not an issue, we're people. You know, Karen's biggest complaint, and I, she voiced it just yesterday with me in a, in a telephone conversation, um, as a matter of fact, about something similar to what we're talking about now with Trevor's case, that too many times the community at large sees LGBTQI people as an issue instead of as people. And as long as we remain an issue, 
it, it kind of keeps us and precludes us from being able to advance forth in terms of civil and human rights. When it comes down to treatment of the community, that's definitely an issue, but I don't think that we should be looked at and labeled that way. Uh, and if Karen, if you're listening, there's your shout out because I completely <laughs> agree with her point on that. So um, I don't know, Ricardo, you have your thoughts? Yeah, let me just say that if you want to come testify in Texas, you are welcome anytime. Uh, you know, I think we try to um, make this a relational, we have an, a relational approach to our organizing, right? And making sure that we are talking about people as people and making sure that, you know, we understand how the, the human impact and the human toll of um, introducing negative legislation. But, you know, I understand um that it can be hard to understand what it means to be transgender, especially if you've never met a transgender person. And it's common to have questions at first, but we can, I think, all agree that transgender people, transgender kids should be treated with dignity and respect, just like everyone else. Like, I agree with you 100%. So, Ricardo, tell us how people can get involved with Equality Texas. What, how do they contact you? How do they find out the other initiatives you're working on and that type of thing? Yeah, if folks want to go to equalitytexas.org, um, on our landing page towards the right, uh, you'll see um, a link um, for an Equality Texas. Uh, Equality Texans take the pledge. You can click on there. You'll start receiving information about um, what we're up to, um, our programs, local action alerts, how you can get involved. Um, so anytime we have a situation like Trevor, um, we will, uh, a situation like Trevor's situation, we'll email our base and we'll mobilize if necessary. And if anyone's interested in providing testimony, uh, during ledge, we, we welcome, uh, anyone to, uh, partake and you can email, email us at info at equality, org as well. Well, excellent. Well, we really applaud the work you're doing and everything, you know, the support of the community, um, particularly Trevor and what he's standing up for. Um, Ricardo, what have we not asked that we should have? Um, I don't know. I mean, I could stay on forever um, as long as you'll have me. But um, I would just say, you know, this is not a – this is not a – um, an isolated uh, case, right? We get emails all of the time about um, students who are either in crisis or experiencing bullying or, at, or, or harassment at, uh, by other students and their peers or even by educators and administrators, right? We um, get emails about people who are dis- uh, being discriminated against um, in uh, your mom and pop store yeah, down the street at a hotel uh, or have, it, have uh, a hard time accessing health care. Um, and the last thing that I will say is that in regard to school discipline, I just want to underscore that LGBTQ, Black, African-American, LGBTQ, uh, Latino, LGBTQ, multiracial students, uh, students experiencing homelessness uh, or students with disability experience higher rates of detention in school. Uh, suspension or out-of-school suspension or expulsion uh, more so than others. And that needs to also be kind of part of this narrative um, because we have to take a comprehensive approach to, you know, showing up for our community. Right. Absolutely. Brody, final last word. I I just want to emphasize to our listeners uh, that 
work of Equality Texas is critical. Trevor, if you're listening, I want to give you a shout-out, young man. Congratulations. Well done, and keep at it. You definitely have a fan in me. Um, and it's it's important. You know, we, we are having a change of administration, and we're having a little bit of a change of thought, but we still have these issues. They're still confronting, you know, LGBTQ people. You know, Equality Texas needs your support. LGBTQI people in the state of Texas need your support, particularly, as Ricardo said, our Latinx and our, our black uh, LGBTQ brothers and sisters and our trans folk. So if you have an opportunity, you can help out. Um, just, you know, get a hold of them, info at equalitytexas.org. Go to their website. But, you know, support, support, support. And, again, uh, Ricardo, thank you uh, for the work that you do. Thank you. Yeah, thank, you, thank you so much for, com- for coming on and, and uh, talking to us about this. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I think what you just summed up was super important is that this isn't just about nail polish. This is about a person's identity and self-worth and the effects of not honoring that, um, in our teens is huge and detrimental, um, to mental health, um, suicide rates, all sorts of, of factors and people holding out against this for some preconceived notion or some preserving some archaic standards is, is unconscionable um, because lives literally are at stake. And that's what a lot of what our society is coming down to these days is uh, people's um, sensibilities are being weighed against actual lives in the balance. And um, we will continue fighting um, the good fight to make sure that uh, those lives are protected and, and um, you know, life is, is, is good and healthy and productive across the board. Um, I want to thank Brody for his co-host duties as always. And I want to thank our listeners. Uh, please do have your folks, uh, your friends and neighbors subscribe to our show. Um, you can find us on blog talk radio. You can find us on your podcast app. Uh, We will be back here again next week. So thank you for listening, and thank you for tuning in then as well. Uh, For Rated LGBT Radio, we'll see you then. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.